cried out. No one heard me. And I thought the end was uh, certainly near. Now, I was only maybe four, maybe five years old, maybe six. Um, but it was um, a traumatic time. We were in Greeley, grew up in Greeley at JB's Drive-In. Um, some of you guys are familiar with JB's. If you're not, um, you won't be able to go there anymore because it's not, it's not open. Um, and because of COVID, it, it kind of had its end. But um, it's a drive-in, and it's a wonderful little restaurant. It's the only place I, I know I could ever been to where in the booth you pick up a phone, and it somehow dials in the kitchen, and you order. I don't know what all's going on when that happens. It's magic. As a kid, and they bring you your food. And, well, uh, I was at JB's, and I needed to use the restroom, and I felt big enough I could go by myself. It's just a one, you know, one-person restroom. And, and as I went up, someone was coming out, so I got to go in. I went in. I locked that door. And then when I went to go out, I didn't realize that door was made of, like, steel or maybe iron. I don't know, but I couldn't push that door open. And within 10 seconds, um, fear just welled up in my, in my heart and started screaming. And then 20 seconds went by, and then 30, and then 40, and I knew the end was near. Um, no one was coming for me, and, and it was a fear, fearful thing. And then within maybe a minute and 10 seconds, someone opened that door. And I was able to get out um, when someone else came in. But it was a fearful, frightening experience. I think it's because we've all had little experiences like that where you just freak out. But sometimes in life, we, we still feel a little bit like that, that little child in the bathroom just hollering, oh, God, help me. Um, and that was 10 seconds or 30 seconds or maybe years go by, and we wonder um, what God is doing as we wait. And if you remember last week, uh, we ended with Psalm 27. In that last verse in Psalm 27, you can maybe look there with me. It ended with, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This ends in waiting. And if you remember, be strong and courageous. Uh, more often than not in the Old Testament, when is that challenge to be strong and courageous? Well, it's right before the people of Israel go into war. Uh, but here there's this strong and courageous as we wait. We wait upon the Lord. We need his strength just to, to wait upon him. And often when we wait, we call out. Sometimes we, we, the Lord uses it even just to, for to grow us, I think, in that waiting, wondering what he's doing and what he's about. And we're drawn in to be, be those who wait upon the Lord. And sometimes in the, the moment, it can just seem like forever. But in light of eternity, um, those times of waiting really are a moment brief breath in light of all that God is doing and even doing it in our lives and those around us. So the Psalms, it gives us some prayers to pray. And, and Psalm 28, in light of that waiting, we see some prayers to pray as we wait during those waiting hours. How do we pray as we wait upon the Lord? Again, we're not good at waiting. Yesterday we were at, at Elish's and our boys wait for, waited for like two hours to ride I don't, I don't know. They, I don't, we didn't, we didn't wait. <laughs> so, like I said, I, like I joked about how at Sam's at Bob Ross is sometimes on the screen while you're waiting in line. And it's just, they didn't have Bob Ross. I'm like, okay, I'm going. I, I can't wait in line. can't wait in line any longer. It's driving me crazy. We went and did other things. But waiting, it's not easy. Um, we don't value it in our culture, but we're called to do it. And the Lord works in the midst of that waiting. We can remember that. 
So verses 1 and 2, we hear first a prayer to God just to hear to help us cry out to God. In verses 1 and 2, let me read those. To you, O Lord, I call my rock. Be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. So it begins just as crying out to God as David just cries out a plea, Lord, hear me. It's this persistent prayer of David crying out to God. And we see first, in the midst of his trial, his wrestling, the enemies that are encamped around him, as we read about last week, he cries out and he calls to the Lord. He said, to the Lord, I call, I call to you. And I think the first question to us might be that question of who do we call to in the midst of trial and suffering and difficulty? Who do we, who do we cry out to when we're in discouragement or despair? And we can call out to different things. And a lot of times there are lesser things that we call out to. Um, I think of the old commercial Calgon. You take me away. You can just that shower. But that might be it. But like, man, if I just take a shower, life will be better. And maybe for a moment, right? Or maybe you turn to, like me, into King Super signature brand, um, chocolate chip cookie dough, ice cream. That's the best stuff. But, man, for this last six months, it hasn't been there. So sometimes that happens here, you know. It's not much of a rock, um, something that can disappear like that. But we, get, we often go to things. Or even like me, sometimes I just look inward and I just kind of look at myself and my situation and just kind of fall away. Like, oh, self-pity kind of wears in. But we're called to call to the Lord and. What word does he use to describe the Lord? Well, rock. He says, my rock. And this word here for rock, it's not, not a small pebble. He's not saying, my rock, just a small little rock, not a pet rock. He's saying, my rock, a boulder. It could be that of even a rock wall. My rock, I call to you, I cry to you. It's strong and movable. And here, it seems that David, he's calling upon even a new, Lord, help me anew to know you as my rock. He knows the truth of who God is, and he's wrestling he cries to him again, hear me, God, my rock. We see some requests that he calls out. Don't, be not deaf to me. Hear. Don't turn a deaf ear to me. Listen to me. Hear me. Don't be silent. And kind of the cry, if God, you're my hope, my, you're my rock. And if you're not listening, if you don't hear me, what hope do I have? And he cries to God, do not turn a deaf ear to me. Hear me. And he cries out. And then we see him continue on and says I'll become like those who go down to the down to the pit there's silence from the one who's his rock and his hope he moves from being on a rock to that down into the the depths of of hell of Sheol of a pit of being away from God for all eternity he's like I can't I couldn't bear that what hope would I have if you don't hear me but we know too as we've seen as we've walked through the Psalms that the Lord, uh, at times, he's slow to answer our pleas. There is a time where, where there's a slowness that seems unbearable, and we wonder, how could this be good? If you remember back in Psalm 27, let me just read some of those verses from uh, last week, 7 through 9. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek? Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. 
O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God, my salvation. He says, cry out. We know that. We feel that. In verse 2, there's this continued pleading, a crying to God, a plea for mercy. This supplication, please to the Lord, help me. There's a prayer for help. Help me, God, my rock, my salvation, my stronghold. Help. And you hear an urgency, a need, a desperation in this prayer. And they're real, they're genuine. We, we know that. We're even invited in to be those who pray like that. God, hear me. Help me. I plead with you. Have mercy on me. So we hear that. Times, though, it is easy when answers are slow to come to, to turn to other things. You see examples even in the Old Testament. I think of the people of Israel. God rescues them out of Egypt. They've been slaves in Egypt for 400 years, and he rescues them and brings them out. But they're in the desert. And Moses goes up to the mountain to receive the word from the Lord and, and the law. And just within a, a short time, they turn back to their, their gold idols. Uh, and they, they collect all their gold together and they're like, hey, let's make a gold calf and let's, let's pray to that gold calf. We need something tangible, but we can be like that. Doubt can creep in and false hopes kind of for the moment help us just for a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. I think of John the Baptist as well. I think of John the Baptist in the New Testament. You know, Jesus has come. He's already declared um, that you are, Jesus is the Lamb of God. He came to take away the sin of the world. But then later on, he's in prison. King Herod has put him in prison, and he's kind of wondering, what's going on? I thought the Messiah was to, to deliver us from prison. And he sends his disciples to Jesus in Matthew eleven three, and he says, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? I think I just, I'll just point to those. Is what we do wrestle. We need one another to spur one another on and help one another point us back to Jesus and even gathering. Um, I know my time in my study, day in and, and day out, reading his word, and even even on mornings where I, I preach through this before in the morning to myself, on Sunday mornings, I'm like, it's like, oh, I just need it. We need um, God's word, his truth. So he wrestles through this thing and through these things, and he cries out, and we can cry out to our God. We're reminded of that. We're, we're called in. We're invited in to cry out in crisis or in sickness or in loss or in, in need or in loneliness or just weariness. We need different seasons. We're called to cry out. We can cry out to him at night in the middle of the, those night terrors or we cry out to him in those waking hours or we cry out to him in those noon hours where we become weary from the day or we cry out to him at night as we enter into the night. We can cry out to our God and it's okay that we are in those we walk through those because they draw us into fellowship and communion with the one who is faithful. And then uh, we see, too, that David, he pleads and he pleads and he prays to God and he uses his whole soul and his whole body. He lifts up his hands to God. He lifts them up to the, the holy sanctuary, to the holy of holies, to the place where God manifests his presence and provided sacrifice for sin. And he lifts up his hands. Oh, this Think of that lifting up in worship of your hands is just as just empty hands in worship of need and just lifting him up. And, and maybe maybe you're a little bit like me or you're an introvert and you're a little shy and you just lift up a little bit, you know, your hands. Or, but they're empty hands to the Lord. We're called and to pray and, and to lift up hands to our God. We can plead to him. We can cry to him as we wait. You know, verses 3 through 5, we see 
prayers of justice and deliverance that David looks up. And sometimes in our waiting hours, or waiting hours, because we look around us, maybe injustice in our life or in the world, and we, we cry out, God, when, when will you come and make things right? When will you judge justly these things that are happening? So there's moments of waiting even in that, and we understand that. And we see this prayer of David. It begins in verse 3. Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the works of evil, who speak uh, with the workers of evil who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their heart. So here there's this petition for David, just for deliverance, I think, from his enemies. We see that his enemies have been encamped around him, and the different verses are the different psalms in this section of psalms. And we hear him cry out to them. There's false testimony that we see in other, other psalms that are coming against him, and he prays that there be um, just judgment that, that comes upon them for deliverance really from his enemies and justice and that he wouldn't be swept along with that judgment either and how does he describe these enemies well they're wicked um, they're workers of evil that means they're just actively about wickedness doing wickedness they're also there those who are two-faced who speak peace uh, but really they have evil intentions in their heart they they maybe it's a, a neighbor who says maybe kind things hey i'll mow your lawn but he really wants to go mow your lawn so he can steal the stuff in your yard i don't know but the neighbor who says peace, but really warfare is in his heart. So there's a two-facedness to him. But David, he knows, he knows, I haven't been living this way. He knows he hasn't done this. He regards the works of God. And he knows, too, at the same time, he knows he needs mercy. We've seen that in these psalms that we've been studying. He sought the forgiveness of God. So he says, don't sweep me away. If you remember back in Psalm 25, verses 6 and 7, he even says, he knows he's not without sin, though. He says, remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. So remember, he, he recognizes that he needs the steadfast love and the mercy of God. He says, remember me according to those things, not according to my sin. And yet he says, Lord, don't sweep me away with these evil ones that are in rebellion against you. In verse 4, give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward. So to cry out for justice, that they would be repaid um, justly for their actions, that there would be just due judgment. And God, who is a just, good God, will rightly judge and will deal with all evil and sin. And then verse 5, because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the work of his hands. For he will tear them down and build them up no more. So, so they, they don't look to the Lord. They were rejected God and his works and his ways and his actions, even in creation. And God has authority then um, to justly judge in a right way. I think of Romans 1, 20 through 21, it, it echoes these things. As Paul writes in the New Testament, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor God as honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So as David prays, he has great grounds uh, to pray that the Lord would bring judgment on these enemies that he has and that he wouldn't be swept away with them. And 
And I think in some ways we are in a growing season in our own culture, in our own cult, country, where the more and more, uh, more and more we, we are called as maybe those who are evil or wicked or unloving for holding to God's word and God's standard for living and um, ways that he has said, hey, I'm a designer of all things. This is a way for flourishing. And he gives them to his people. And if we hold to them, our culture more and more kind of can even demonize us. I do think of life choices. We're collecting those bottles for life choices and the pregnancy um, crisis pregnancy center and how they uh, were were um, their place in Longmont was set on fire and vandalized and, and just false testimony across this nation against places like that who are there to help men and women, to love them, to serve them, to, to give them resources, to care for them, to point them to Jesus and help those who are desiring to, to keep and not end the life of their baby. And How can you demonize that? I don't know. So we might cry out, God, how long? But God will hear a prayer. In the verses 6 and 7, he breaks forth in praise and confidence in God. And sometimes as we wait, even before that, that waiting or that answer comes, the Lord can do a work in that moment where we are able to give him praise and lift up praise to him and just and confidence in who he is. And we see that in the psalm. Verse 6, Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my plea for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts with my song. I give thanks to him. So even in that waiting, we can have confidence that, that the Lord will answer and bring an answer. And that David just prays this way. And he breaks forth in praise and prayer. And I think of how uh, we're called into relationship with our God. And he does give us his daily Manna grace. I like to talk about that. It's that daily grace, that daily bread that he gives us through these habits of grace, these conduits of grace, of being in his word and coming to him in prayer and pleading to him uh, and also to, to gather with his people. Also, uh, the people when they were rescued by God out of Egypt and they were wandering in the wilderness, God provided manna for them. It was like a bread-like substance. Like every morning when they went out, like dew on the grass was this bread-like substance called manna, and they were to go and, and collect that manna every day that God provided for them. This week, Kelly was listening to a podcast by um, by Kristen Getty. That's who it is. Uh, um, she's one of the, the, her and her husband wrote In Christ Alone and some other songs that we know. Anyway, she was just talking about manna, graces, and reading through Exodus, and she'd had a rough night with one of her kids that was up all night, she was just exhausted. She's like, how am I going to get through this day? And Shreena God's provision of manna. And one thing she noted, though, was um, for the, to go collect that manna or to get that manna, they had to go out and collect it and bring it in. And, uh, there are different habits and conduits of God's grace that he gives us. And we need to go out and, and take part in, in praying to God and, and entering into praise as we go to him in prayer, go to his word. So there's this switch from a desperate plea to this joyous praise in David. It says, blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. And so he's blessed the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Lord, he deserves our praise. Praise him, he's saying. Look to him. Rest in him. He has heard my prayer. David's confident. He's confident in the character and the work of God 
that he's heard the prayers that he's lifted up. And even if his timing is slower to answer in the way that David is looking for, there's still praise that breaks forth. So he's heard my prayer. He knows that he has. And he's his good shepherd, one who leads him to still waters and green pastures, whose rod and staff comfort him and restore him. And in light of eternity, he knows he can rest and that the Lord indeed does and will answer. So as God answered David's questions, are his pleas and his cries fully? Well, it doesn't tell us here, uh, but that's really not the point. It's that the Lord has heard, and we're called to even daily pray. Think of how when the disciples asked Jesus, well, how do we pray? And one of the things he says is, give us today our, our daily bread. For me, that's, a, I think, for us, an invitation to pray. That's something we need daily, to come to him daily and pray to him. And he hears and he acts. And in verse 7, again, the Lord is my strength and my shield. His cry out as he's trusting in the Lord who is his help, his shield, his strength. And he's entrusted his heart to God and he's helped. We're called to entrust our heart to the Lord and we can entrust it. We can, we can know that he is safe and we can entrust our life and our heart with him and he helps. He is our help. We can rest in that and know that he will intercede. And then David, he then bursts forth again in praise. His heart trusts in him, and he, he is helped, and he exalts. His heart exalts. It jumps for joy. That's what we see here. So he gives thanks to the Lord. He looks at the steadfast love of the Lord, his rock, and he breaks forth in praise and, and thanksgiving. And we can do that. We can exalt in our Lord. We can give, give and lift up praise to him. He's our joy and our hope. We can rejoice. Amen? And then um, David continues uh, as he's praying and praising. And we get to verses 8 and 9. Verses 8 and 9. It says, The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. So here, there's a little bit of a, a shift. If David's been praying personally, and then he turns to the people, and, and there's this corporate prayer together, a gathered prayer of God's people of faith and protection. And that's why we need to gather together. We need that. We need to pray together. We need one another. We need the church. And God has given us to us, brothers and sisters in Christ, who gather together. And we can pray. And David here prays for on behalf of the people. And he says, the Lord is the strength. Again, he is the strength of his people. So it doesn't just say the Lord is the source of strength, which he is. He's a source of their strength. But he says he is he's the strength. Uh, he is their strength. There's no other. He is also, he's their refuge. He's their saving refuge. Their, maybe your translation says the fortress of salvation, our stronghold of salvation. He's a place we can go for rescue and rest. I don't know if you've seen um, any of the articles or maybe um, uh, on the news you've seen a video of in Finland um, that I guess during, during this Ukrainian war, it kind of takes us overseas a little bit, right? And we see things that we didn't realize were the case. And in Finland, they have bomb shelters that are just ginormous. <laughs> And they have enough for 3.6 million people. They're ginormous. <laughs> These are huge. Uh, 
um, bomb shelters that they have. And I think there's like five point some million people in Finland. So over half of the people in Finland have, have a bomb shelter ready for them. And, and I'm thinking that must be a comfort, um, a little bit of a comfort anyway. So they have this stronghold. And their God is our stronghold. He's our refuge and our comfort in that. We can recognize that. And on this side of the cross, we know um, that Jesus Christ Indeed, he, he is a comfort, he is a rescue, he is a, a refuge for us. I think of Jesus, in John 15, he said, Abide in me and I will abide in you. So there's abiding, there's this in Christ that the New Testament speaks of. And Jesus, in John 14, he says, You, you are me and I in you. So our fortress, our refuge is, is in Christ. And Paul and uh, Throughout the New Testament, we see this reality of that we are in Christ. Or Jesus, when he speaks about himself being the shepherd in John 10, he says, No one, my sheep, no one, no one can snatch him out of my hand. What a refuge we have in our God and in Christ. He's a refuge for his anointed. And anointed, his anointed would be, well, it's like he's speaking of the king who represents, so he represents all his people. And there's salvation there. And then he continues in has a few other prayers. Save your people. Save your people. Bless your heritage. Those who are your people. And he says, God, save them. Bless them. And then he says, be their shepherd. Be their shepherd and carry them. So he said, don't, don't just shepherd them, but carry them and protect them. What a wonderful picture of our God is that who shepherds us, but also carries us when we can't even go forward. That's who we have in Christ. John, or not John, but Isaiah 40, 10 through 11, we see this picture of God being our shepherd who carries us. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, he rewards, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms, and he will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. So this beautiful picture of a God who shepherds us and, and rescues us and cares for us. And you know what? He's not bothered by our need. He's not bothered that he has to care for us. A good shepherd's not like, oh, oh no. But he rushes in and he carries us. And we have a, uh, a Savior, Jesus Christ, who calls to us in, his, in our weakness to find rest in him. He, he desires to carry us and go toward us. And I think of Jesus who was one who went after strong, and we see in the life of Jesus that he went after the weak, went after the sinner, went after the widow, and went after us. So we can know that we have Christ who gathers. And he's one, also I was reading this morning in Hebrews, I think chapter 5 I was in, and just being reminded that we have this great high priest who is not unaware and doesn't have compassion for us, but does. He knows our weakness. He's one who lived, but without sin, but understands that. And he calls us in that we can draw near with confidence because of Jesus Christ uh, and find grace and mercy in time of need. And this is who our God is that calls us to. And see, we even see as we end these, these verses that there's this true relationship with the one true God, Yahweh, the Lord God, who is our shepherd, who cares for us and calls us us in. And he is our strength and our refuge. Sometimes we do feel like that small child in the, locked in a, a small space crying out, help me. 
and then we have doors that we can't fully open, but we have a shepherd um, who comes and isn't bothered to come and rescue us and, and, and carry us out. Let me finish. I just want to read some lyrics by a, a song that kept coming to my mind um, as I was working through Psalm 28 this week called Steadfast. It's by Sandra McCracken, and um, she um, she's a Christian artist, and she went through a lot of suffering. She went through a, a difficult um, time of divorce and just trying to figure out how to live life after that, and I think some of these songs I, I mean, are come out of that struggle and that wrestling. And she wrote this, I will build my house, whether storm or drought, on the rock that does not move. I will set my hope in your love, O oh Lord, and your faithfulness will prove you are steadfast, steadfast. By the word you spoke, all the starry hosts are called out by name each night. In your watchful care, I will rest secure as you lead us with your light. You are steadfast, steadfast. I will not trust in the strength of kings. On, the promise, on your promise, I will stand. I will shout for joy. I will raise my voice. Hallelujah to the Lamb. You are steadfast, steadfast. In the moment of emptiness, all was fulfilled. In the hour of darkness, your light was revealed. In your presence of death, in the presence of death, your life was affirmed. In the absence of holiness, you are still God. You are steadfast, steadfast. Let's pray. So, Father God, we thank you that you are steadfast. We thank you that through Christ Jesus, um, that we are called in, and that we are, for those who are um, in need of a Savior, our wisdom does fail us, our strength fails us, our, our goodness, our righteousness fails us, and we are sinners in need of a Savior, and we thank you for Christ who rushes in and carries us. We thank you for Christ who died for us and rose again victorious. We thank you that we can cry out to you, our rock, and even if we don't feel or know the answer to our prayer, that you are still our rock and we can come to, pr to praise before you and that you daily give us mercy, your steadfast love and your mercies are new every morning. Help us to be reminded of these things as we walk through times of waiting. Um, sometimes they're dark times of waiting. Other times they're, they're just long, discouraging times or sometimes they're just, just day in and day out things that you've called us to, but Lord, help us to look to your word and be reminded that you are our rock in whom we can rest. You're our shepherd who carries us. Lord, I pray uh, as well this morning, if there are any that have yet to rest in you as Lord and Savior and to know the comfort of knowing that they have a stronghold, that you would move in their hearts and open their hearts to, to turn from their sin and trust in you as Lord and Savior this morning, we pray. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we um, 